hi again and welcome back. I'm so excited that you're joining me again for another podcast. You know, this is a podcast that I'm actually super, super excited about. I was was kind of brainstorming a bunch of different topics for my podcast number three and all of a sudden one just came to me. It's a topic that I think maybe a lot of people think about, a lot of people are self-conscious about, a lot of people might even feel some sort of like self-guilt with, Um, but it's something that needs to be talked about. It's something that you need to know um, doesn't need to be taken as an insult, and so I'm going to jump right in and talk about five different things that you shouldn't take as an insult as a teacher. So I want to preface this by saying I am a special ed teacher, so I am coming from a little bit of a different background than maybe a gen ed teacher or a specialist teacher, but I'm sure in some capacity, everybody can relate to the things that I will be kind of talking about today. You know, um, being a special ed teacher, I will say there are days where I feel in my heart what I am doing is right. I feel that I am making a difference And then I will hear somebody else say something. And even though I might know what they're saying is not true and it doesn't, it doesn't apply to what's going on, I take it personally. You know, I listen to what these people are saying and I think of it as a way of either validating or not validating what I do. And and that's not what it should be, you know. We are teachers. We know what's right for our students. We know what happens in our classrooms and we know what we do to, you know, continue to learn and grow as educators um, and do what's best for all of the kids in our classroom. And the teachers that maybe don't see in your, what's going on in your classroom or the teachers that maybe only see the short glimpses of what's going on outside your classroom don't really know what goes on when you are in your classroom. And so that's kind of where all of this stems from. So today I'm just going to talk about five different things. If you've ever heard any of them, I want you to know in your heart that these are not an insult. These are something that you should not take to heart. You should not take it personally because really, even though they might hurt you in the moment, it's almost like a compliment when you when you hear something like this. And so the very, very first one, and I can't tell you how many times I have heard this from so many different teachers, either directly to my face <laughs> or from other teachers talking about it, and that's okay. I have been told, you are considered the fun teacher. Kids want to spend time with you in your room. And you know, at first, I really, I really used to let this get to me. I used to think, you know, wow, maybe what I'm doing isn't right, you know, maybe these kids are acting out because they want to spend time in my room because they think I'm so fun. Um, And then I started to think a little bit deeper about that. So yes, I do have a special ed classroom. Yes, a lot of my kids require breaks throughout the day um, to be more successful in their academics and just overall in the, the social setting of a gen ed classroom. But With that being said, when kids take breaks, it doesn't mean they come down to my room to play games and have fun. They're taking calm down breaks and we have certain protocol that each student has to follow when they come down and take a a calm down break. If I get called because maybe a behavior, um, a certain behavior is occurring in the classroom or 
maybe somebody doesn't know what to do for a certain student, I'm called to help kind of address the situation. And a lot of times, most times actually, the student will come with me um, whenever whatever's happening. So I might go to a classroom and I might find a kid sitting in the corner, frustrated, upset, maybe throwing something. And I'll just say, hey, I'll either talk to them, ask what's going on, or I'll say, hey, you know, are you, are you going to walk with me? Or are we going to go, you know, find a calm down space somewhere else in the classroom? Or whatever it might be. And that student chooses to come with me. I hear from teachers, you know, you're considered to be fun. That's why they want to go with you. When it comes down to it, when somebody says you are considered the fun teacher, kids want to spend time with you in your room, what that actually means, and what I want you to remember, is that it means you have a relationship with students. The reason students want to come to your classroom, the reason they think you are fun is because you make it engaging, you make a point to interact with them, you make a point to build relationships with them, find things that they enjoy, and connect classroom curriculum or classroom education to the things they enjoy. Yes, kids want to spend time with me, but with that being said, I have a very, very strong relationship with all of the kiddos that want to spend time with me. They feel safe where they're at. They feel not judged where they are at. They feel like they can calm down. They can have a space where they are at home. And ultimately, that's what we want as teachers. We want our, we want our students to feel comfortable in our classrooms. So then teachers say, you are considered the fun teacher. Kids want to spend time with you in your room. If you ever hear that, which I'm sure you do, I want you to know in your heart that what that really means is that you have relationships with kids. We know the only way to reach and teach students is if we have a strong relationship with our kiddos. So the fact that somebody might say, you're considered a fun teacher, kids want to spend time with you in your room, that is a compliment. Even though it can feel insulting, even though it might have been meant as an insult, you need to know in your heart that when you take the time to build a relationship, those kids then consider you the fun teacher. They know that you care about what they're doing. They know that you have made connections with them. They know that there's a safe place in your room. They know that no matter what happens, you will want to spend time with them and they in return want to spend time with you. So that's the first one. The first insult that you should never take to heart because really it's a compliment is that you are considered the fun teacher. Okay, now the second one, and this isn't really like an insult that you hear, um, but sometimes people might say something. So let's say you have a kiddo that has really struggled throughout the year. You know, maybe doesn't get as much of his academic work done. Maybe um, she struggles with putting her things away every day. Maybe she struggles maintaining appropriate behavior throughout the day. Maybe he struggles regulating his emotions throughout the day. Whatever it might be, the kiddos that struggle more, they also need more supports. And so our goal throughout the year is that with appropriate supports um, and individualized education, that those students will continue to improve. Now, if you are one of the teachers that chooses to find 
victories for those students. So let's say those, those students that have worked so hard to maybe walk to a calm down space instead of throw a desk, maybe halfway through the year, they get student of the month. Or maybe they get a student of the week card. Or maybe they get a special note home. Now, without a doubt, there is always going to be another teacher or another person in your building that might feel that because you acknowledge this student for having an appropriate behavior, that you are lowering the standards for the entire school. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. You know, they might say, well, Susie does the right thing every single day and she doesn't get student of the month every month. And then you might have this other student that has worked so hard and came leaps and bounds in their behavior and they're finally doing okay. Um, They've made huge gains and you celebrate their success and somebody might say, you know, that's a disgrace to your school. Why are you celebrating the success of this child when their behavior is not like Susie's, okay? And so, A, you can't compare apples to oranges. B, we are a public education system, most of us, you know, some might be private, charter, whatever. We're an education system. Our job as teachers, as educators, is to differentiate for all of our students. We are in the business of teaching because we are individualizing education for all of our students to meet the needs of all of our students. If you are a teacher that celebrates victories for both Susie, who has done an awesome job throughout the year, and for the kiddos that maybe have made huge gains but aren't at the same level as Susie, that's okay. It takes it takes special humans to be able to acknowledge victories both big and small. And I think so often Teachers get so hung up on looking for the best of the best in the class to acknowledge. And I get, you know, not every student deserves a trophy. I don't think every student deserves a trophy. I don't think every student should get a trophy. What I'm saying is you have to meet kids where they are. And if you have students that have started way lower than what's expected for grade level, whether it's socially, academically, whatever it might be, behaviorally, and they make gains... Even if it's not at grade level, the gains that they've made, but they've made significant gains, why not celebrate? Why not celebrate their small victories? You know, our whole goal is that we will have our kids become intrinsically motivated. So that means that they will have enough pride in everything that they do that they just want to be better to be better. Our goal is to push kids to be intrinsically motivated. If they become intrinsically motivated and they, you know, they make gains in whatever it is, they deserve to be celebrated. And it takes a very special teacher, a special human to be able to find those moments to celebrate. It doesn't have to be big. Um, In my classroom, we do what's called the wow wall. And paras, teachers, other kids can celebrate moments for anybody in the classroom. So if they notice them do something kind, if they notice them ignore a behavior, if they notice them finish their work, if they notice them take a calm down break without you know having to be prompted to do so. Those are all moments that maybe our kiddos weren't doing before that deserve to be celebrated and it's okay to celebrate those things. And I'll be danged 
You should not ever feel bad for finding something to celebrate for all of your students in your classroom. Now we're on to insult number three. This is one of my favorite topics. The insult is you give your students too many breaks. You know, I might have teachers say they have breaks all throughout the day. You know, all they do is take breaks all day. They never get any of their work done. Okay, so here is the thing. Once again, all of our kids learn differently. All of our kids have different needs. All of our kids require different supports. Some of our kids can sit down and learn for 20 minutes without having to move. They can, you know, have their entire attention directed where it needs to be. And sometimes that's, that's just not possible for kids. Sometimes kids need to be moving. Sometimes kid need, kids need to get a drink of water. Sometimes kids need to be fidgeting. Whatever it might be, kids all have different needs, especially when they're younger. You know, one of the first things I learned when I was in college is you should never have kids learn for longer than their years of age. So if a kid is seven years old, you don't want to have them sit and learn for longer than seven minutes because that's all that they can absorb before their attention starts to go elsewhere. And I think sometimes it's even shorter than that, which is okay. But that means that sometimes breaks are actually more beneficial than they are thought to be as taking up too much of the day. Sometimes just a short one minute or two minute brain break can drastically change the success that your students may have in their classroom. I used to have a kiddo that would be sitting and I mean when that child was trying to learn this child would be rocking on the desk, rolling on the floor, like just could not handle the energy that was inside their body. And sometimes all it would take would say, hey, let's go for a 30 second running break. So at my school, especially in my room, I do allow running breaks. And um, obviously there's rules and there's procedures that go with that. But I allow my kids to leave their classroom if prompted by an adult or if they verbally request to go for a running break. The running break literally takes about two minutes. We have a hallway that isn't often walked um, walked by so it's usually open and we allow kids to run sometimes we as adults will race the kids sometimes they might race another student sometimes they, they just run by themselves and we time them but that little short running break that time to move their body that time to get away from academics entirely changed how successful this kid was in the classroom so just that one short little break that short amount of time being away from the class, that short amount of time getting the time to move their body and get active, reset that child so they were back in the classroom and ready to learn. So now a lot of times what I notice working with students that might have behaviors, students that maybe have sensory processing disorders, maybe um, have the diagnosis of ADHD, uh, maybe just have, let's say, less stamina in academics. What I notice that if they are doing their work and they seem to be getting agitated, if I allow them to continue to be agitated, that agitation, that frustration turns into more and more to a point where it, it shuts the student down for a long period of time. Now, if we are proactive and we notice a student is getting agitated and we prompt them to maybe take a running break or maybe to take a fidget break or even to just take a rest break or a mindfulness break, that can reset the child enough to go back to the work and not feel so overwhelmed. You know, it's kind of like Dr. Ross Green says in his book, Lost at School. 
When is challenging behavior most likely to occur? I absolutely love this. He says, when the expectations being placed on a kid exceed the skills he has to respond adaptively. So that doesn't mean that when a kid has a behavior that we look at it and think it's okay that that child has a behavior. It just means that that child doesn't have the skills to communicate maybe what that child needs. And so it kind of comes back to this. You know, some kids, some kids need breaks. Sometimes they'll be able to communicate that they need a break and sometimes they won't. But the fact of the matter is, would you rather have a child that takes a break when they start to get frustrated, take a one minute break and then return to what they're doing successfully? Or would you rather have them push through that frustration, that anger, and have it shut them down for an hour and then try and reset their day? You know, we have to meet kids where they are. Even if it feels like we're giving kids more breaks, we have to meet them where they are. We have to support them in whatever way that is. So when somebody tells you that you are giving your students too many breaks, it just means that you are meeting them where they need to be met. Now, on to insult number four. And this one, this one kind of irks me. It makes me a little bit frustrated. I hear this one a lot. Um, and I don't hear it directly to my face. I'll hear it from, from others that they might talk about it or whatever it might be. You know, you let your kids nap at school or you let your kids eat in the classroom. Okay? So here is one of the most important things to remember about kids is kids cannot learn if their basic needs are not met. So if a child is hungry, if a child is thirsty, if a child does not feel safe, if a child hasn't had enough sleep, you know, they are not going to be able to learn. We first and foremost have to address their basic needs. So if you have a kid that didn't eat last night, that didn't go to bed last night, and they come to school, they might be dysregulated they might not feel like they want to learn and it's because their basic needs haven't been met. What they're feeling in their body isn't where it needs to be for them to be able to learn. And so yes, sometimes I do let my kids nap at school. Sometimes I give my kids breakfast and multiple snacks throughout the day. And the whole goal with that is that we are meeting their basic needs so they can push past whatever else is going on outside of this world meet their basic needs at least at school, and be able to learn. Somebody once said to me, in reference to all of this, is would you rather have a child come to school tired because they didn't sleep last night and not sleep the entire day and you try and keep them up the entire day and the whole day they're having behaviors, they're frustrated, they're angry, and you don't even have 20 minutes of time where they can learn because the whole day is just shot trying to keep them awake and trying to you know, help with their behaviors or their emotions from, you know, lack of meeting their basic need? Or would you rather have that child sleep for three or four hours that day and have at least two good filled hours of learning and education with that child? I know hands down, if I were to pick one, I would like to meet that child's basic needs so we can have at least two good hours at school where they're rejuvenated and they're ready to go when they go home that night. So, that's what it all comes down to. Yes, sometimes education doesn't come first. And yes, that's crazy to say when, you know, we are an education system, we are a school. But first and foremost, basic needs always have to be met. And until you meet those, you will not be able to reach and teach kids. So when somebody says you let your kids nap and sleep at school, 
Know in your heart what that actually means is that you are helping provide and fill those basic needs that your students are requiring that day. All right, and the very last insult, um, one that I think can be taken to heart, one that I think is oftentimes said just because people maybe don't witness what goes on in your classroom, maybe they witness what's going on outside your classroom, whatever it might be. But if you are told you let kids do whatever they want, this is for you. So first and foremost, I want you to know that I know and trust that you don't just let kids do whatever they want. Kids that so-and-so do whatever they want might be the kids that talk back to you. They might be the kids that storm out of the classroom. They might be the kids that throw a paper on, on the floor and when asked to pick it up, don't pick it up. They might be the kids that yell something inappropriate when asked to apologize, say, I'm not going to do that. You can't make me. You know, there's, there's so many different ways that this can look where somebody might think, wow, you let kids do whatever they want. But here's the thing. If a child is dysregulated, trying to have a rational conversation with them, trying to, you know, have them help them find empathy, trying to help them problem solve a situation is not possible. A dysregulated child, a child that's escalated, first and foremost, has to become regulated, has to de-escalate. And sometimes that doesn't mean that we are letting them do whatever they want. It means that we're first meeting their needs. So a lot of times what happens, um, especially in our classroom, is if a kid's dysregulated, if a kid, you know, is, is escalated at the time and maybe they're breaking something or maybe they threw something or maybe they swore at someone, I would never ever, and nor would anybody that works in my classroom, address the situation or the behavior that is occurring in the classroom at that time. Once again, I'm going to run, reference Dr. Ross Green. So when a child has a behavior, so essentially when somebody says, you let kids do whatever they want, that person is referencing the behavior. So when a child has a behavior, we know that behavior is communicating something. So addressing the behavior while the child is still having a behavior, while the child is still escalated, while, while the child is still dysregulated, you are not going to reach that child. You are going to, you're going to interact with that child when they're not in the right mindset, when they're not able to rationally think about a problem. And so first and foremost, the thing that you need to do is help that child regulate. You know, maybe they just need space. Maybe you need to do some mindfulness, you know, different mindfulness activities with them. Maybe some deep breathing. Maybe they take a fidget. Maybe they need to rest. Maybe they need a snack. Once again, you have to meet kids where they are. And without a child being regulated, you cannot expect to solve a problem. So that's one of the biggest rules and things that we always follow in my classroom is we always wait till the, ch the child's regulated before we have a conversation about maybe why something happened, you know, about why they felt the way they were feeling, maybe about why they swore. We don't expect a child to apologize until they are regulated. Because if you ask a child to apologize when they're dysregulated, 
it's just going to make the problem worse. It's going to make that child more dysregulated, more frustrated, more angry because they're not ready. They're not in the mindset where they are ready to problem solve and make things better because they are in their dinosaur brain. They're not in their thinking brain. When somebody tells you, you let kids do whatever they want, I want you to know that means that you are meeting kids where they are. You are not picking battles that don't need to be picked. You are not getting yourself into a power struggle because we all know that no one ever wins a power struggle. You're allowing time for that child to de-escalate, to regulate, to get to a state of mind where you are able to talk to them and problem solve with them. Here's the thing with kids is kids don't want to be bad, okay? When, when I was reading one of Dr. Ross Green's books, that was one of the things that stood out to me the most. Kids don't want to be bad. And I think that's the most important thing to remember as a teacher is kids don't want to be bad. So when you see kids having behaviors, when you see kids not acting the way that they should be, that just means that they don't have the skills to act in the way that they should be. And so we have to help them meet those skills. And so when we see a behavior that we don't agree with, when we see a behavior that might insinuate that a kid is doing whatever they want, it just means we have to find out why that behavior occurred and help the kid learn the skills that they need to not have that behavior occur in the future. So these are the five things that I know I have heard and have been somewhat insulted by. I know that other special ed teachers have heard. I know that maybe other gen ed teachers have heard and maybe other specialist teachers have heard. Paras, admin, just anybody in the education field that they might have heard. And I know that it's really easy to take these things to heart when somebody says them. But after thinking about it, after knowing what you do in the classroom to best support kids, I want you to know in your heart, if you hear those things, what it really means is that you are meeting kids where they are, you are supporting kids to the best of your abilities, and that is 100% what you should be doing. You should not doubt it for one second just because somebody says something that might be intended to be an insult, maybe it isn't intended to be an insult, know in your heart that what you're doing is right for kids. Kids are worth it. Kids deserve it. And always remember, if you have no one on your team at school, I believe in you and I'm proud of what you're doing.